Stand clear of the closing doors, please. In a Brooklyn fractured into speculative storyscapes, fantasy, horror, sci-fi, and the just plain weird come together in The Kaleidocast. Join Professor Brad Overstreet, Senior Junior Lecturer Sam Spellingbound, and Assistant Crypto Provost Don Fairweather Jenkins of the Metatechnic Institute, and Inquisitor James Earl King II, as they explore the stories drifting in and out of your reality. Hey, Sam, could you come here a minute? Bring a Band-Aid. Youch! A band-aid? That looks like it needs stitches. What happened? I got a tip on a story and, uh... What? It was an anonymous tip. No, from where? Sheepshead Bay. You know the protocol, Brad. That's when you call for backup. Yeah, yeah, lesson learned. But listen, the call brought me to a quiet street near Marine Park, but the address turned out to be a false front. Behind what looked like a common brownstone, was a dense forest of blood-sucking vines surrounding a pit of razor-sharp obsidian. I think it was a setup. Oh, you think? By who? My rival. You know, Dawn Fairweather Jenkins over in social anthropomorphology. But I showed her. Look out, though. It bites. What is it? Eight of Swords by Sam Taylor. I know it looks small, but what it lacks in size, it makes up for in wickedness and beauty. It really put up a fight. I'd better get that band-aid. Or twelve. The Eight of Swords. Written by Sam Taylor. Read by Veronica Jaguer. You walk alone in your father's labyrinth. Through the craze of brambles and glossy-leafed hedges. At the center, a circle of swords stands where the arbor should be. Eight scimitars stabbed deep into a pile of bright roses. You have seen this before somewhere. You circle the swords, touch the cold and lonely steel. Then you step inside and kneel among the blooms. The twins find you there, summer and snow. They orbit you outside the swords. Summer is golden as daylight and the flowers turn toward him. Snow is pale with silver hair and around him colors fade like winter. They move in time around you, your sun and moon. Show us your secrets, says Summer. Show us the hidden places, says Snow. You grab a sword and raise it above Summer, but Snow smashes into you and crushes you down. He shoves his tongue in your mouth, alive and wriggling and cold. You bite the tip off, spit out the meat, taste the icy and sour blood in your throat. He rears back and slams his fist into your skull and the bones slip and grate together. Summer pulls down the brambles and grabs up the rose vines, and they look greener and more beautiful in his golden hands. He winds them round your arms and breast and eyes and deep between your thighs. But you fight him, and the vines slip and you kick him in the jaw. You have seen this before. This is the Eight of Swords. The gypsy woman showed it to you when you were little. When she saw the card, she cried. Dirty tears from wrinkled eyes. Snow's molars crack through your wrists, his mouth open impossibly wide. All around him, his shining silver hair, 
You smash him with your shattered stumps until you have no blood or air left to fight. When you are still, summer peels the skin from your ribs. A single red sheet. Veins and arteries sketch glowing triangles against the sun. The stained glass of your soul stretched wide and trembled by the wind. They stare at the pulsing labyrinth inside you. All the twisted hidden places, the corners no one has ever seen. With red tongues they both rasp your bones to pearls. You close your eyes. Your heart slows, breathing feather thin. Your memories fall away. Childhood first, then racing forward. The crumbling stones that make you. There is a flutter in the depths. Tender. Fragile. A bird rising. Snow stops chewing and looks up. No, he screams, come back! You are what we want! Summer jumps for you, mouth stretched, hair glowing, jaws tear through the edge of you and snag. For a moment you think you will fall, but you let that part of yourself go as well. One last tiny bit of self. That is all they get. Then, you soar free. <laughs> Samuel Boyd Taylor has been published in such markets as Shizine, Orson Scott Card's Intergalactic Medicine Show, and The Drabblecast. He lives in Dallas, Texas, with his wife and daughter, where he pursues many strange and wonderful hobbies, such as meditation, tai chi, and singing along as loud as he can to the Beatles' Hello Goodbye. You can find him on Twitter and Facebook and on his website, www.samuelboytaylor.com. Veronica Jaguer is a voiceover artist and author. She is a co-author, voice talent, and producer for the Secret World Chronicle podcast. And she is the co-author, voice, and producer of the inner-city cyberpunk novel Broken with Cedric Johnson. Veronica brings characters to life in the space between your earbuds in the realms of science fiction, fantasy, romance, and horror. For more of Ms. Jaguer's work, check out VoicesByVeronica.com as well as her profile on acx.com. Rumors exist of an alter ego fueled by caffeine trudging through the mires of higher education administration in pursuit of the letters P, H, and D. Said creature possesses an affinity for comic books, magic cards, and small talking horses, and strives alongside her spouse to raise literary-minded geek children. I pass by the Cathedral Basilica of St. James whenever I drop off a story at the Metatechnic Institute. Now, besides its fine moniker, it is a beautiful building, the third church built in all of New York City almost 200 years ago. And, like a good story, it's bigger inside than it looks from out. Yesterday, the music flowing out of the stained glass windows of angels compelled me to go inside. I wasn't sure if what I heard was an inhumanly beautiful voice or the echoes of some great horn. Either way, the song was sad and completely original, 
which is as impossible to find as a straight line in nature. Just like the book waiting for me on the altar. It had a soft cover of indeterminate age made of leather from some animal I couldn't identify. At first, I thought the pages were blank, but then I saw the gold-leaf words of a story, this story, that only became visible in the void-black foredge of the pages when I pressed them back. The first thing I was able to make out was the title and the author's name. First Cause by Sam Schreiber. The rest is here. Let me tell you of the universe. On second thought, that might take too long. Let me tell you instead of the devil. If you want to understand the devil, this is what you need to grasp. The universe you know is nothing but an aftershock of God's first creation. Flotsam and jetsam dissipating into nothingness. The Big Bang, yes, dark matter, dark energy. I, I won't bore you with a cosmology lesson, except to remind you that time flows irrevocably in one direction, dooming all of creation to a state of chilled cosmic soup. This is not by design. It is simply the process by which God's handiwork unspools. It is the first, last, and only tragedy of your existence. I know because I was there to see it happen. God's first creation was governed by time, of course, but time, such as it was, was a lovely, endlessly pliable clay. You might say it's poetic, how time kills everything it touches now. I suppose there's no accounting for taste. Suffice to say, it was not always thus. Which brings us to the devil. There were angels in God's first creation, you see, abundant in both form and function. God had his favorites, naturally, while we, for our part, had our politics. I was never among his most beloved, but I was a being, fully formed, free to act within the parameters of his glory, which is more than could be said of some. But the devil, yes, I am coming to him. There was a world in the cascading froth of God's first creation, named Haradesh, on which there sat the crystalline metropolis Azazoth, in whose well-appointed cherubic district stood a tavern called Marduk's. And there came a day, among the uncountable days of God's first creation, when I ducked inside Marduk's for a drink. That was when I saw Lucifer. For the second time, or the thousandth, it is no longer entirely clear to me. My perspective is strained now that the meaning of time changed, but there was no mistaking the Lightbringer. He wasn't alone, of course. Gaggles of angelic hangers-on were in flux around his table, a blur of dilated time. But Lucifer had a way of making you feel as though you were the only one in the room. Not his only talent, but one you would remember. Empires have risen and collapsed to dust, you degenerate creature, he said, gesturing for me to join him. And we haven't said a word to one another. These things happen. You're a busy man, I said as I sat. 
angelic shadows swirled around us, translucent in the dim light of the bar. It won't happen again, he said. Not if I can help it. Lucifer's skin was blacker than the vacuum of space. By rights, he should have looked nothing so much like an angel-shaped hole in reality. But beneath that skin, smoldering around the corners of his eyes and lips, burned the light of a thousand stars across every conceivable color of the spectrum. Beautiful, in a way that defied comprehension. There is something I've meant to ask you for ages now, Lucifer said, raising his glass in a small, polite toast. If anyone would still remember, it would be you. Have you ever heard the story of Kimei and Quilan? I was chagrined to admit I hadn't, though the names had the ring of Seraphimian nobility. I was known among my kind as something of a connoisseur of the angelic histories. It's a riveting tale, Lucifer told me. Ambitions realized only to crumble, lovers taken only to be betrayed. Worlds shattered, reformed, only to be shattered again. In her rage, Kimei transformed herself into a naked singularity. Olian tore a hole in the fabric of space and time. In the end, their passion obliterated an entire arm of creation. My jaw dropped. The thought that such a tale would have eluded me was unfathomable. And that wasn't the worst of it, Lucifer continued. A billion souls were caught up in their bloody wars and expelled into a raging maelstrom of causality, never to be heard of again. I don't understand, I said, my confusion growing exponentially. The story of Kimei and Olean, well, it's glorious. I would have loved to have been there for it. Lucifer smiled, revealing a sliver of the light contained within his body. It was enough to blind me. Impossible would have been the word I'd have chose, a lie, a fabrication. But even then, before we knew what he would do, contradicting the light bringer to his face was a daunting prospect. Are you hungry? I'm famished. Lucifer raised a claw and servers wheeled a tray of amuse-bouche to our table. How did you learn such a terrible secret, I asked, as the mad angel lifted a tiny caramelized soul from the tray and daintily popped it into his mouth, its tiny will of dismay lost in his maw. Lucifer dabbed his mouth with a napkin, then looked pointedly at the tray. You really should try one before you go, seared to perfection and quite succulent. I wasn't hungry, but I speared a square of angelic flesh anyhow, doing my best to ignore its mewling. Strictly speaking, angels did not have to eat one another in God's first creation. Strictly speaking, there was nothing else to eat. What became of Kimei and Olian? I asked, chewing the souling in consternation. Gone, Lucifer said. And not just the two of them. Whole worlds were swallowed up in their madness, never to be restored. Legions of souls commuted to nothingness. How could this be? I demanded. How could I not remember? Because it's the greatest story that's ever been. Lucifer broke out in a savage grin. Naturally, I had to destroy it. I threw a protective arm over my face as Lucifer's sublime radiance flooded Marduk's. God was less than pleased, of course, he 
he boomed, a pair of expansive black wings spreading behind him. When I pushed Kime and Oleon out of existence by their roots. But that's the beauty of it. There's nothing he can do. The parade of angels surrounding Lucifer's table howled in despair and disappeared into the crevasse opening under their feet. Azazoth's crystalline towers collapsed floor by floor, sprang shards of themselves into the air. The city itself sunk beneath the fissures opened by Lucifer's casual power. The skin God gave Lucifer only contained his light when he allowed it to. Sometimes he chose not to care. Sometimes, I believe, he simply forgot. The will of God revolves endlessly around the axis of time. It's the spine of creation, and it is mighty, Lucifer's grin broadened. But by its very nature, it must bend. And so, it follows, it must also break. My stomach lurched as continents shifted and jackknifed into the planet's crust and mantle. Shockwaves spread from Herodesh to its sun, which shrank in on itself, turned the color of magma, wobbled, then burst. In theory, anyway, Lucifer conceded, his smile fading. Herodesh's star recongealed and reignited with a wave of his hand. Undoing the story of Kimei and Olean was more of a minor sprain, but it proves I'm right. Time can be broken. I let out an embarrassed sigh of relief as Lucifer silently rewrote the city of Azazoth back into existence. That is quite a story, I told him. I don't know what to say. Perhaps one day you will, Lucifer said coyly. Buy you another round? I shook my head weakly. I'm afraid I'm not feeling quite myself, I said. Lucifer nodded and turned his attention back to his restored cautery. I wondered faintly if in some other iteration of our encounter I had been among the ones he allowed to tumble into the depths of Herodesh, then decided I did not care to know. Though there was one question he wanted answered. What would come next? I asked quietly as I stood. If time were ever to truly break. For a moment, I thought Lucifer had not heard the question, but he gave me a contemplative look as he nibbled a fresh morsel of angel flesh. I couldn't say. Perhaps a creation unbound by time or causality, like pages of a book floating through space. But no, God would never permit it. And if I'm being honest with myself, neither would I. Slow, tight-lipped smile appeared on his face. Maybe the opposite. I cocked my head, confused once again. Imagine a creation where time was utterly intractable, Lucifer postulated. A universe with a beginning and an end. Every moment the death of all other possible moments save itself. I shivered. His words unsettling me in a wholly different way than the destruction of Herodesh had. 
Lucifer's appetite for the perverse was no secret, and those of us who knew him best tended to forgive him. But what he was describing was madness of a sort the angels had no name for. It sounds... unbearable, I told him. You, Lucifer said, shaking a finger at me as if laughing at a joke I hadn't meant to tell. You would fit right in. Time may have lost its meaning since that day, but this much I know. At that moment, the devil had already made up his mind what he would do. Sam Schreiber is a writer living in Brooklyn. His work has previously appeared in Journey Into, the Doonstief Audio Fiction Magazine, Cavalier Literary Couture, and Podcastle. Craig Stauffenberg lives in New York City. He sometimes makes things, but as of late, he mostly takes long pointless walks and sits in cafes reading UFC gossip websites. Thank you for listening to The Kaleidocast, a production of the Brooklyn Speculative Fiction Writers, who can be found at bsfwriters.com. Our sound engineers are Atticus Ryan Garten, Alicia Barrett, and Matt Mazzarella. Your hosts are Tanya Ireland McLean as Dawn Fairweather Jenkins, Bradley Robert Parks as Brad Overstreet, Cameron Roberson as James Earl King II, and Sam Schreiber as Sam Spellingbound. Our music is Delusion of the Fury, Act 2, Treats with Life and with Life Despite Life, Arrest, Trial, and Judgment, Joy in the Marketplace, by Harry Parch, used by permission of Innova Recordings and the Harry Parch Foundation. Special thanks go out to Marcy Arlen. The Kaleidocast and all its contents are protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License which means you can share it all you want, but don't sell it or change it, and give credit to the Kaleidocast and its authors. Go to our website at kaleidocast.nyc to comment on what you've heard here and for links to all our contributors. Oh.